We're still reeling from the Oklahoma Sooners 34 to 30 win over Texas. We've got some injury updates to discuss and so much more on today's episode of Locked On Sooners Live. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase of the best seats and the best prices guaranteed over at Game Time. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John Nine Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh On Ref. And Josh, we got so much to get into on tonight's live show. Thank you so much for joining us all of you in sooner nation we're so glad you're here but off the top we got to talk about the injury updates that came out from the post practice interviews brent venables updated on three significant injuries we'll start with andrew anthony off the top brent venables said he is done for the season an acl tear and generally when you see a non-contact injury of to a skill position player a lot of times that's going to be the case but man what a blow to Andrew Anthony and what a blow for the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no good way to describe it. Obviously it's a significant loss for Oklahoma and Oklahoma though. I, I do think is positioned to withstand an injury. Obviously you don't, you don't want to start stacking up injuries at wide receiver, but uh, let, let's uh, let's first though, talk about this for Andrew Anthony. I hate it for him individually, though. Oklahoma is set up. I think John at that position to be okay given what they have at wide receiver this is still somebody for OU that has 27 grabs 429 yards right now is the leading receiver for Oklahoma and was tracking to maybe be that guy for OU but again I just go back for me to the fact that it's just so disappointing for Andrew Anthony who again was having a magical start to this season of course comes over transfers in from Michigan really John hoping for an opportunity just like what was, you know, bubbling up and transpiring in Norman, Oklahoma with the Sooners. So I just hate it for him. I'm sure that uh, the rehab, he'll work hard at it. He'll come back stronger, as good, better than ever before. Uh, no doubt in that. And uh, he was really, I mean, it was shaping up to be, again, a his best season playing football and a money-making type season for Andrew Anthony. So I just, more than anything, John, hate it for him. Yeah, that's the first and foremost thing. I mean, it, it's a definitely a bummer. You know, he was playing such good football and he was playing such good football that it was starting to open things up for everybody else in the passing game. We were starting to see Jaleel Farouk emerge and begin to realize the potential that I thought he had going into the season. But, uh, you know, Andrew Anthony was a big time deep threat for you. And yeah, I mean, the dude's having a career year now joining the Oklahoma Sooners. And I mean, you expect him to come back. You expect him to you know, be a big part of next season's team now, but uh, yeah, just a big loss for this year. But yes, you are well-equipped at wide receiver. Now you might not have been as fortunate a year ago. Had you lost Marvin Mims, you know, to an injury, you might not have felt like you were in the same place with your wide receiver death. Now you are, you you know, Nick Anderson's got six touchdown receptions. The guy's playing really, really good football. Jaden Gibson. Yes. We got the drops here and there, 
but the guy is still playing good football this season. Gavin Freeman's doing well. Brennan Thompson, we saw flash a flash from in the Iowa State game. So the depth is pretty good at wide receiver, but we got to see it emerge because again, Andrew Anthony was a huge part of what this offense was doing through the first six games of the season. Elsewhere, Josh Gentry Williams sounds like he's going to be okay, according to Brent Venables. And I just don't know, man, if this is going to be par for the course with Gentry because through the you know first six games as a starter, it's been a roller coaster ride of you know dings and nicks for him, either every game or every other game. But at least he's bouncing back and able to recover quickly from him. Because again, another big part of your team, he's playing exceptionally well. That interception to start the game really set Oklahoma up and set the tone for them defensively. Well, right now, Danny Stutzman, clear number one in regards to who is OU's best defensive player at this point in time. And I think that's going to hold up the rest of the way. I mean, the way he's playing football right now, I don't know that anybody's going to get there to what Danny Stutzman's doing this season. It's historically great for Oklahoma. But, you know, beyond that, you know, toss a, a couple of names my direction at who you think would be second, third, fourth, fifth for Oklahoma defensively. And Gentry Williams would be toward the top of that list and that discussion after Danny Stutzman. And when you think of collectively what Oklahoma has been able to do defensively, John, and the, the big time jump that they've made from year one to year two in Brent Venables, a lot of that, I mean, the puzzle pieces have to all fit together in place. And a big part of that on the back end is yes. What Gentry Williams has brought to the equation. I mean, beginning of this game, beginning of the last game before it quickly downhill and boom, smack somebody wrap up, and uh, you don't let somebody out in space go get a nice run after the catch. He's been steady in that regard. The coverage skills obviously have been really good. Comes away with the early interception. He's been a ball hawk for Oklahoma. So, yeah, they need him healthy. He's been uh, tremendous. I, I hope that what you're saying doesn't uh, – and I'm not saying you're saying this is going to come to fruition, but just a, a worry that you have ab about it so far I think is – a fair worry to have that for whatever reason. Yeah. It's been kind of one injury after another. Sounds like though, you know, with the bye week here that it's going to be okay. Yeah. You're expecting him back for UCF, which is huge. You want to have as many guys healthy as possible. Injuries are a part of football, but you don't really want to get, you know, tested as much as Oklahoma has been so far. The other injury that sounds like it's better news than what might've been uh, initially thought and that's uh, McCade Mattire went down with a scary leg injury, you know, got it casted. I think a lot of people thought, okay, maybe it was uh, a broken leg, but Brent Venable said he'll be back sooner rather than later. Who knows what exactly that means? There's no timetable on that. Uh, the college coaches aren't as, uh, there's not an expectation from college programs and coaches to be as forthcoming with injuries as maybe they would be in the NFL. So who knows if this is a two to four week, four to six week sort of a deal. But the fact that he'll be back sooner rather than later, I think is a good sign. Now we'll see when that exactly happens. But again, your guard depth is going to be put to the test. Now, Caden Green came in and played really, really well at left guard. I think you've got your starter there for this year and the foreseeable future. And then at right guard, it's going to be Caleb Schaefer or Troy Everett or maybe uh, back to Savion Bird. We'll just kind of see where that goes at that position. But again, your depth is being tested. Yeah, I, this part of the schedule right here with the bye week where you just across the board work to get healthy right? I mean, that that's number one for everybody, obviously. But then number two, I think right now is 
you kind of treat this as a little bit of a fall camp ish week, a spring install week, just a, a growth type week. Not that you're not doing that at every other portion of the fall calendar or the in-season calendar, but it's tougher, right? In terms of the install, you're probably most weeks in-season not doing that, but the the real growth, right? Like you could get back this week to testing some things out, tinkering a little bit. And I think for Oklahoma, John, as we look at this situation, talking about injuries into what this week and then going forward will look like for Oklahoma with McCade Mattire, what that situation looks like right there with what Caden Green was able to provide in this past game with the flashes at times, but the lack of consistency we've seen from Savion Bird. Andrew Rame, when I think about the interior of the offensive line, what's going on with a couple of these snaps away from Norman, Oklahoma, that part, the, the, the cadence and signaling with your quarterback is an area this Oklahoma team can clean, clean things up. So I think this week you could figure out the guard situation a little bit into next week, building for that UCF home game, John, and really just the entirety of the interior of this Oklahoma offensive line to that big question we've had throughout a lot of this season. I know the quarterback run game with Gabriel was great in this one, John, but okay, interior offensive line, what is this going to look like for the stretch run? How can you figure this running game out and get it to the best version of its itself that it can be? Because now all of this, hey, let's go try and win a Big 12 championship, that stuff's over. It's about let's go win a Big 12 championship. Let's go win a college football playoff game and let's go win a national championship. Let's not wait. Let's go do it now and let's figure out how to best position ourselves to do that right now. I've got a thought on all of that in particular because of what I saw from the ESPN football power index uh, late last night as I was doing a little bit of writing. And we'll talk about that. Plus, Dylan Gabriel, man, is he carving out a pretty special legacy at Oklahoma? We'll do that after the break. Ah, prize picks. It's the way to go. You're wanting to test your skills this football season. And the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports is with prize picks. If you have the skills, well, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a couple of taps. Prize picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discount select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Go to prizepicks.com backslash locked on college and use our code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. That is backslash. Go to prizepicks.com backslash locked on college. Use our code again, locked on college to get that. First deposit match up to $100. Highly encouraged to go check it out today, ladies and gents. That is prize picks. And if you're looking for some last minute deals on tickets, the Game Time app is where it's at. I remember about, I don't know, 14 years ago, my wife and I, we wanted to go do something special for our dating anniversary. This was, this was way back, still in the early stages of John and Audra on the dating scene. And I think it was our first or second anniversary dating. And we wanted to go see a concert. We wanted to go see George Strait. It was George Strait and Little Big Town and Sarah John. So a pretty nice little show uh, down there in Oklahoma City. But it was so hard to figure out, okay, what seats do we want to get? What is What are the seats going to be looking at? How close are they to the stage? Well, Game Time helps you out with that. In the app, you can see exactly what your seat is going to be looking at, whether it's at the football game, the theater, at the concert, whatever show, Game Time's got you covered. If you're looking for last-minute deals for whatever it could be, 
Game time is where it's at. Go to game time, use our promo code locked on college for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, create an account and redeem code locked on college for $20 off. Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, low prices guaranteed. So, just to touch on that little bit of uh, football power index um, observation that I had. So, as I'm looking through it, and I put together a piece of the top 15 in the football power index over at Sooners Wire. If you want to go check it out, it's over there on the front page. But Oklahoma has the highest chance to win their conference of any team in the football power index, the highest chance to make the college football playoff of any team in the football power index, and the highest chance to win the national title of any team in the football power index. Now, that's all analytics. It's all computer driven, all based on, you know, past recruiting success, past success and current trends, current success as well. So it's the computers. You can't completely take it as gospel, but the computers did favor Oklahoma to beat Texas this past weekend. There's that. Take it for what it's worth. But when we talk expectations for the Oklahoma Sooners, everything's on the table at this point. You know, we talked about all season how the Texas Longhorns game, the Red River rivalry, was going to be the litmus test for this team. We talked about how, okay, yeah, those first five games, you might face a challenge here or two, here or there. Even if you go 5-0, and oh, it's really going to be the Red River rivalry that lets you know how good this team is. And I think win or lose, we would have felt really good about this team moving forward regardless especially if they won, say they won or they lost 30 to 27 in this game. I think we'd come out of it feeling, okay, they played a good game. Texas played a good game. They just didn't get the win. But coming out of it with the win, the 30 to 4, 34 to 30 win, Dylan Gabriel orchestrating the last minute drive, the defense forcing three turnovers, sacking Quinnewers five times against a vaunted you know, Texas offensive line, holding their running game to 3.9 yards per carry. I think you feel really good about this team. And I think it's okay to feel really good about this team. They went in and did what they had to do. There's a lot of Texas fans crying about how they were the better team on, on Saturday and they, they should have won the game, blah, blah, blah. No, Oklahoma's defense forced three turnovers, sacked Quinn years five times, 10 tackles for loss, held the running game to 3.9 yards per carry. They were the better team on Saturday. Don't I don't care what the total yardage says. Oklahoma won the game because they were the better team. Got that fourth down, that that first and goal, second and goal, third and goal, fourth and goal stop that to me signifies who the better team was if you want to look at one sequence. And so when we talk expectations, it's going to be very easy to be like, no, 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 let's not do that. Let's not put this on them. But after a win like that, why not? Why not Oklahoma? Why can't they go and win the national title? Why can't they go and win the Big 12 and the college football playoff? We'll see what happens. It's a week by week game. It's a, you know, we're zero and zero now in the bye week. We want to go one and oh in the bye week, and then we want to go one and oh against UCF. You're going to take it moment by moment, live in the now, absolutely, but raise the bar. There's no reason not to. Sometimes the best results come out of raised expectations because everybody locks in even more. Because I'm sure the 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 team, the players even see. Hey, we beat Texas. We we conquered the the big giant on our schedule. So why can't they go run the table 
and go to the Big 12 title game, win the Big 12 title, and then go to the college football playoff and then see what happens. I think everybody's feeling pretty good about what Oklahoma's chances would be in the college football playoff for a lot of reasons, but mostly because of this defense. You absolutely can be in contention for all of those things. And right now, by the way, you're the favorite to go win the Big 12. You know, not just even, I mean, the numbers say what the numbers say from ESPN's FBI because it's a predictive index that is designed to do just that, run a bunch of simulations and tell you what it thinks the rest of the season is uh, going to result in happening, right? How it's going to play out. And the reason that's what it tells you is because guess what? The path forward now, this was, there's still pitfalls. I'm not trying to act like there aren't, okay? We'll see about Jalen Daniels. I don't know what's going on with the quarterback situation there, if he's ever going to be healthy again this season. And even if he's not, Jason Bean is a capable, if not obviously exceptional, backup quarterback to the starting quarterback that Jalen Daniels is for Kansas. But that's going to be a loud, raucous road environment now with Kansas thinking that they can send you out of the Big 12 with finally a a loss, right? Finally a win for the Jayhawks. They haven't beat you since what, uh, whichever season, I think 96, 97, Kansas hasn't beaten you since. So they want that game. It's going to be in a packed down environment in Lawrence with an improved Kansas team. So that's difficult. Oklahoma State, I still think mostly stinks, but I'll give them a little bit of signs of life based on what they did last Friday night versus Kansas State. That's on the road, final bedlam. We know the storylines there, right? So there's some challenges. BYU, okay, somewhat difficult road game. TCU at home is not just some cakewalk to uh, end the season. UCF, though they got blown out and embarrassed by Kansas this past week, again, is uh, capable of coming in here and making things interesting versus Oklahoma. So I get it. There's challenges on the schedule. And uh, sorry, West Virginia and Baylor, that I didn't name you by name. Here's your – you've been named by name as well now, too, for uh, for Oklahoma schedule. Well, West Virginia, that is, anyway, right? But uh, for Oklahoma, the schedule is – it's manageable for OU. There's not a ranked team left on it. There's not a – there's not another Texas until the Big 12 championship game left on it, John. So with all of that in mind and just who this team is – this team has answered the call for what we wanted to see. Defense, vastly improved. Looking for stars defensively. I think you've got a lot of names mm. you can say are stars defensively. Skill guys, we wanted to see wide receiver come together. And I already told you, I like the way things are setting up for OU to try and figure the run game out now that they've navigated it to 6-0 and to this point. And the defenses, I think, are going to get a little bit more manageable. You know, when you play UCF, you play Kansas, that West Virginia defense, I think is going to be really good. Oklahoma State's defense is going to be pretty good, but I don't really think BYU's defense at this point is all that good. I feel like they can be had a little bit too. And TCU, man, I, I don't know what to think of TCU anymore. That, that That's a team that I think is going to continue to slide down the Big 12 standing. So you've got an opportunity to continue to get better. And that's that's the beautiful thing is like, okay, if Oklahoma went out and played a perfect game and won by four points, you might be like, okay, well, we'll see, but they've got room for improvement. They've got areas where, okay, they made some mistakes and, and had to find some good fortune in order to pull that game out, you know, based on some of the things that happened in that game, they still don't have much of a running game outside of your quarterback. And you still were able to go beat a pretty good Texas team. So you've got a lot to look forward to for the rest of the season got a lot of things you got to continue to improve on one area where I feel like 
answered all the questions. That's quarterback. And we'll talk about Dylan Gabriel next. I've been telling you this for a, a little while now, but basically it's simple. You don't want to get caught in a situation where you're unprepared to take care of your health or one of your loved ones health. You don't want that scare to turn into something super serious for you or, or a loved one. Everybody should be empowered to care for themselves and again, their loved ones when the unexpected strikes. And unfortunately, the unexpected sometimes does that. That's why the Jace Medical Jace Case is going to keep you safe. The Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you're not just hopeful, that you're prepared to have access to medication in the case of an emergency. Jace Medical, make sure you have all of that medication right there in hand. Jace Medical, it's simple, too. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Again, that's the big one. Don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code LOCKEDON. That is LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at checkout on jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E, medical.com. Talking Dylan Gabriel. What a phenomenal performance it was for him. 285 yards passing, one passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown, 114, sorry, 113 rushing yards. That 113 rushing yards was his career high in rushing yards uh, for his career. Dude's been playing a lot of ball for a lot of years, running the football for a lot of years. And so I was pleasantly surprised to see that. His previous career high, Josh, 70 yards. And that came against Baylor last year in a game where Dylan Gabriel had some struggles. But, man, in this game, Dylan Gabriel was nails. He came in clutch, scored Oklahoma's first points of the game, scored their last points of the game. I mean, he did everything that you needed him to do on Saturday and, to me, set the, set the stage for him to put himself in that rarefied air of quarterback that we've come to expect at Oklahoma. Absolutely. it. Uh, you've heard it said by us. You've heard it said by, well, the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. You've heard it said by a number of different people, but it is what it is. It's true. It was a legacy-making drive for Dylan Gabriel on Saturday. The, the fan base, you know, there was an avenue, of course, if you lost the game to win out and then get back into the Big 12 championship game, rematch Texas, beat them, and you know, go to the college football playoff and maybe have a career-defining moment in that game versus Texas in a rematch. But we don't want to live in the rematch idea, right? We don't want to live in that hypothetical. We want the right here, right now. And the right here, right now was right there, right then for Dylan Gabriel. And uh, he answered the bell. He answered the call in a number of different ways. I mean, from the get-go, to go punch that turnover in right off the bat, as you pointed out, was uh, imperative in a game like this, John. We said, we said, we said again and again and again and again. Okay, here's a 49 to nothing uh, cloud, a dark, ominous cloud hanging over Oklahoma and this football team. Is there a little bit of, okay, well, Dylan Gabriel wasn't there last year? Sure, you had that out, right? You had that little bit of a trump card in your back pocket, but it still was there if you started poorly. And that momentum was still there for Texas if you started poorly. So, 
What did Oklahoma need to do? Again, the Helmer book of cliches. Love to visit these. They needed to start fast. They needed to start quickly, and they needed to deliver in a hurry. And Dylan Gabriel did all of that. And then, of course, the the final drive was it was the stuff of legend in this game. A lot of things went right. Uh, Walter Rouse, we need to have probably an individual discussion on his singular play. But that was a surgical drive from Dylan Gabriel. I mean, from the get-go, Stoops, Farouk helps him out. Back to Stoops. Uh, and then, obviously, uh, the, the final throw to Anderson as well in a pocket that was right there for him. But you kind of have to hop and leap and be accurate on the throw and stand in and trust the pocket. So there was a lot about Dylan Gabriel in this game that, you know, for you, me, and others, I wanted to see it. I wanted to see it in this caliber of game from Dylan Gabriel. I didn't doubt that we could see it from Dylan Gabriel, but I've said it in any platform I'm on. I'm a see it to believe it kind of person when it comes to football and sports in general. Okay, well, you've made me a believer. You know, in that Cincinnati game, there were times where the pressure looked like it got to him, you know, Uh, rushed some things, didn't look like he had his feet underneath him in the pocket when he was trying to move and and slide and and find a little bit of space and breathing room. It just, he didn't look comfortable, right? Well, in this game, especially on that final drive, he looked so poised and so comfortable maneuvering the pocket. I mean, he looked like a completely different player in a much bigger moment, in a much bigger game, in a much bigger environment, driving down, you know, for a game-winning touchdown. He looked so calm, so comfortable, and so poised in that. And that final throw, man, where he absolutely disappears, and then the ball comes out, to me, that that is going to be one of the defining moments of his career. Because it's so easy when that pocket collapses, like completely collapses around you to either just eat the ball or just just be wild with your throw. I mean, you couldn't have been more pressured than you were pressured when you have your whole offensive line basically in your lap and you disappear from the screen. And then to make the throw that he made to Nick Anderson and trust and to trust that Nick Anderson was going to be exactly where he was supposed to be and make that throw, man, that it's just huge. And we've talked about how Dylan Gabriel just looks to be playing at a different level than what he was last year, playing with a different mental edge, a different tenacity, a different toughness. And in this game, he, he kind of pulled all that together and, and came through for the Sooners. And it gives me a lot of optimism about what this team can do this year. I mean, we talked about the defense and how the defense is a big reason why Oklahoma can achieve so many potential goals in 2023, but your quarterback is a big reason too, as well. I mean, there are going to be people that go through and they are going to nitpick every single throw and they're going to overanalyze all of it. But when it came down to it, the dude came through clutch, absolutely clutch. And that's the stuff that defines quarterback play. It's not the man. He barely underthrew a guy or maybe it was a little bit out of his reach. No, it's the coming through when you got to have a score. And he did, they had to have a score and they got it. It is to me. It reminded me a little bit of the SMU game, Oklahoma, the, the SMU, you know, Mustangs got within three points and then who'd they give the ball to, to go and say, Hey, extend our lead for us. Dylan Gabriel. They threw like slant after slant after slant after slant. 
marched right down the field, scored a touchdown, and then extended it further to that 17 point you know margin of victory. But they were really, really trying to force the issue in the run game in that game. But when things got a little bit tighter, they said, Dylan, go win us the game. And he did. Same thing happened in this one. They said, Dylan, go win us the game. Obviously, it's a little bit different situation. You're down three as opposed to up. But they could have very easily settled for the field goal. But they got a couple you know, big moments of big throws. Were able to keep the clock stopped because they were getting first downs and got themselves into touchdown range. And then just they didn't slow down. They didn't, you know, take the air out of the ball and, and then try to just get three. No, they went and they got the touchdown and it's in large part two to their quarterback. Every throw on the final drive was perfect. Every single perfect. one. And, and not that, you know, the final throw to Nick Anderson because of what was going on in the pocket and the pressure, it would have been easy for him to vacate the pocket. And really it, you know, a sack there is devastating. It, it, you can't take a sack there in that situation. So, you know, there was reasons to vacate the pocket or throw the football away. He stood in, he delivered an on-time throw, a dart to Nick Anderson. So that was not an easy throw. The other ones, okay, were relatively straightforward, I guess, right? But guess what? Big moment, and you got to be able to deliver the football on time and on target. Like I think about the play to Farouk, it's perfectly placed so Farouk can do what? Catch it and go run, right? And earlier in the game, the uh, the one over the middle throw to Drake Stoops. I don't know. I saw some people in the moment, and I've not gone back and, and rewatched the entirety of this Texas game. I'm sure I'll do that uh, multiple times before this week is done and next. But the the early throw to Drake Stoops over the middle, it looked like Gabriel just missed one behind him there. I saw some folks saying maybe that football was tipped. But either way, right, you had that miss there. The fourth down throw to Stoops later was a miss by Dylan Gabriel. Sure, Drake Stoops could have helped him out, but your quarterback needs to be able to make that throw. He couldn't, right? The Tawi Walker throw. Okay, Tawi Walker. Yeah, you got to go make the catch too, but it was not a great throw by Dylan Gabriel. So there were misses in this game and some key, potentially game-losing misses by Dylan Gabriel in this game. And yet, guess what? Final drive again. You got to rise up to the challenge. What didn't have any timeouts, right? Oklahoma was out of timeouts mm -hmm. on the drive, yep. and, and he's able to orchestrate it with uh, very little time, get down the field. Everything's perfect, and uh, again, uh, an incredible throw there to Nick Anderson. The one other thing I would say about this is shared it on my social media feed, which you should uh, check both of our uh, Twitter accounts or X, formerly known as Twitter. He's at John Nine Williams. I'm at Josh on Ref, and of course, everybody should be following along with us at Locked On Sooners. But uh, I shared that final play, and probably a million different people have shared it. But there's so much in that one play to look at, John. I don't know if you saw my tweet on this, but the Walter Rouse block, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's talking about the Walter Rouse block. He takes on two guys at once. So that's the number one thing. That's the, the first thing that stood out, right? The second thing that stood out was I don't know if anybody noticed this. Nick Anderson and Austin Stogner collide with one another at the beginning of their routes. They bump into each other before the, the game-winning catch. And then uh, the other thing that's kind of interesting is obviously just Dylan Gabriel standing in and delivered. Somebody commented and was like, yeah, and what you don't see is on the other side of the football field, Drake Stoops gets held. I mean, there's like a million different things, and I see something different every single time I watch that game-winning play. Uh, Dylan Gabriel's eyes, he, he moves – you know, from one side of the field to the other to create that opening for Nick Anderson. So it's like that, that game winning play is uh, it's uh, it's like Mozart. It's a piece of art. 
I mean, when they go write the 30 for 30 about Oklahoma's 2023 season, we're, we're getting a lot of good perspective on that. The final play of the game. Uh, yeah, it, it was incredible. It really was. And it, it capped off what an incredible performance for the Oklahoma Sooners. And now that we're a couple of days removed from it, Josh, I mean, we, I feel like it gives us a little bit more time to process. I've gone back and I've watched the goal line stand about a million times because again, I'm, I just don't understand how I don't understand how the Oklahoma Sooners kept uh, Texas out of the end zone on that one, especially given they were trying to come in jumbo with their big defensive tackles and, and Oklahoma held up like Oklahoma, Desan McCullough, you know, giving up a hundred pounds to Byron Murphy, defensive tackle. He holds up at the point of attack. Kip Lewis, dude, the dude was a straight knife, just going straight through the Texas offensive line to make plays. I mean, Jaron Kanick was getting back there. Stutzman was getting back there. You know, so many big time plays. You know, Billy Bowman coming up and Anderson McCullough, I think, was in on that too, on Xavier Worthy to just barely like contort him to keep him from reaching in the end zone. My wife and I several times over the last couple of days have asked, how did he not get in when he caught the ball at the one? Like he caught the ball at the one. That's just a simple lean in, but that's just the toughness of a Brent Venables defense. They said, Nope, you're done. You're done here. You're not getting any further. It's finished and completely shut him down. And then Dylan Gabriel and the offense to get out of the end zone and have an opportunity to get points after that. Zach Schmidt short of the field goal, but still, they, they were backed up to the half-yard line and made something happen. They made something offensively happen. And, you know, I mean, so many so many great moments. But what, what are some of the things that you're kind of like pro- still processing through or have come to realize a couple of days after the, uh, the game? Well, the captain uh, obvious, which is, and I think we knew this going in regardless of what was going to happen. <laughs> I almost, it's the OU Texas game. So I was going to be incredibly depressed if Oklahoma lost that game, especially after, you know, seemingly feeling like it was theirs throughout. If, if it ended with that late score of Texas and you had a missed field goal in front of it and all the different transpirings that transpired to lead to Texas grabbing that late lead, yeah, I mean, it was clear coming out of it that Oklahoma's an improved football team, and I think they're on the right trajectory, and on and on and on, right? We could have had that discussion. I'm so glad we don't have to have that discussion. I didn't want yeah. to have that discussion. I wasn't mentally or emotionally prepared to have to have that discussion about Oklahoma. So, But let's start there. The, the goal line stand, I think, is a cultural indication of where Oklahoma's at, where it's going, where it's headed, where it's been. It... Uh, this is different in Norman, Oklahoma. Defensively, it's different. We've been wanting, we've been wanting this. A defense to go pop somebody, hit somebody, be physical. Don't shy away from the point of attack. Go get them, baby. Go attack. In Oklahoma on four straight downs in the biggest game of its season against a rival that stomped all over you a season ago. The whole nation is watching. Everybody's watching and you react, and you attack, and you're there, and you're the more physical team. Oh, baby, I'm going red in the face. I'm so fired up about it. So that, right, the defensive cultural shift for Oklahoma, it's like this is what we've been waiting on, man, and it was that whole defense in one way or another. So it's there. Oklahoma's improved defensively. They're so far and so far and away advanced from where they were a season ago, and really even the 2015 season where – what Oklahoma led the Big 12 in scoring defense, 
this unit's different than that one because they've got star talent, John, I think littered in every single level of the defense. They've got a never say die attitude. Somebody else pointed it out on Twitter and I wish I remember who it was, but just, I think it was Jaron Canick and Billy Bowman stopping the Texas defender, Jordan Whittington, stopping Whittington at the one to give you the opportunity to then have the, you know, the goal line stand there, you know, coming up with the field goal stop so that Texas can't bleed more time off the clock. We talked about that in the live show. You know, it's never say die. It doesn't matter to them that, that Texas ran up 527 yards of total office offense. It doesn't matter that Quinn Ewers had a pretty good day aside from the, the three turnovers. I mean, his completion percentage was incredibly high. It doesn't matter because Oklahoma got the stops that they needed to get at the time they needed to get them to give them an opportunity to win. It's winning football. They made winning plays. Even if they gave up a total, a ton of total yards, they still held Texas to what three field goals as opposed to, you know, opportunities for touchdowns, you know, and that's huge. If you kick field goals, as opposed to the score touchdowns, a lot of times you're going to lose those games and the defense, I mean, and, and that's the difference I think in this defense, like you mentioned it, how it just is far and away better than what it was last year, but it's far and away better than anything we've had in a long time. Because even if they're giving up a bunch of yards, even if they're giving up field goal attempts, giving up points, they're not quitting. They're not backing down. They're still taking the fight to the opponent every single down. And I think that that right there, is the fingerprint of Brent Venables. The dude that is so intense that, I mean, we've seen it. I mean, he looks like he's going to have a vein pop in his forehead with how loud he's screaming, whether it's been at Oklahoma or Clemson or now back at Oklahoma. The dude just brings a fire and a passion and an intensity that the, the, the team responds to. And not just him, but the assistants as well. This, this team has Brent Venables' fingerprints on it. And it's only going to continue to get better as much as they've improved. They're going to continue to get better because sophomores or, you know, young true freshmen are making significant plays and are becoming key players to this defense. We talked about Gentry Williams. We've talked about Kip Lewis, Jaron Canick, Desan McCullough. Those are just sophomores on this team that are making key contributions or, or red shirt freshmen. I don't exactly know the classification, but young underclassmen that are making key contributions every single week that have a lot more football ahead of them at Oklahoma. And then you talk about Peyton Bowen and how much more football he's got on this team. And that doesn't even begin to mention everybody else, but I'm just talking about the, those five guys that were key contributors to this win. They're only going to continue to get better. And that's the scary part of this is those five guys are going to keep getting better and they're bringing in more and more defensive talent with each and every single recruiting class. So what we're seeing out of a Brent Venables defense in 2023, one that isn't giving up a bunch of points, that's creating a ton of turnovers, is only going to continue to get better and better. And that should be a scary thing for Texas, for the SEC, and for college football as a whole. There's some some magic some sooner magic going on right now in Norman, Oklahoma. And to your point, and, and this is, if this is a horrible comparison here, then, then just shoot it down and tell me I'm crazy. But the 2000 team, I don't know was Bob Stoops most talented team. Right. But they went and they, and it, it was very talented, right? NFL players up and down. I'm not saying it didn't have those guys. And I think this team has those types of guys for Oklahoma, but 
with where Venables and this staff is recruiting and where it's going, I think they're going to be more talented down the road, John. Certainly, mm-hmm. uh, is for as much as we're heaping the praise, and deservedly so, on Dylan Gabriel, there's going to be high NFL draft picks playing quarterback for Brent Venables and for Jeff Levy and for Oklahoma going forward. And yet, when you've got a little magic in a bottle, let's take advantage of that magic in a bottle. Something special is brewing in Oklahoma right now. And the point I'm getting at is, yes, it's it's possible for this team to go think about and go do what needs to be done to win number eight, to win a national championship. Because, you know, something about that 2000 team, it was the near miss of 99, right, that rolled over into 2000 that all of a sudden one win turned into another win, turned into another win. And then that belief started, well, I mean, why not us? Why, why don't we go win this thing? I'm, I'm feeling a little bit some of that right now with Oklahoma to where this defense is doing some similar things. There's some, uh, you know, the signs were kind of starting to be there a year ago, but obviously that 99 team statistically, you could make uh, a pretty easy argument was advanced across the board statistically compared to, uh, you know, the defense last year for Oklahoma was a mess, but it's year two and there's something special going on with Oklahoma right now. So it's time for this team to start thinking about doing some of those things, John, that why not us and why not do it right now? Yeah, because especially in this game, you know, special teams was a mess, but they've been pretty good at special teams for much of the season, aside from maybe punter. But yeah, man, everything is going the right way for the Sooners. They just got to keep locked in, nose to the grindstone. I mean, this is a really good team. They're now 6-0 and against the spread. They're 1-0 in one-score games, which is a nice little flip of the trend from a year ago. And who knows if they play in any more one-score games. I mean, this is a team that's playing really, really good ball on both sides of the ball. And again, like we mentioned, can continue to get better. And, you know, Brent Venables talked about it in, in the post-game. Like, yeah, we won the game, but there's still areas we that we we can get better. Things that we left out on the field. Ways that we can continue to improve. So, I mean, it it's crazy to think that we're not even yet seeing the best version of the 2023 Oklahoma Sooners of what they could be. That and that's defense, scary. That defense, John, I, I think you touched on the most important piece of it, which is the, yes, the fingerprints of Brent Venables are starting to be all over this thing, but they play each down. And that's not been, they play each set of downs. They play each series. They don't get too high or too low about something positively or negatively that happened to them in a football game. And that's just not been something that Oklahoma has been able to say or consistently do defensively in a long, long time. And, and I feel bad, like I'm picking on striker and those boys in 15, but this unit right now is a little bit ahead. Of, of that group, I think, in terms of the star power. And again, in terms of they're just unflappable, right? They go make plays. They're going to play the next series. They're going to go make another play. So I just, again, not to put all of that, you know, out into the uh, ether or out into the, the universe there that Oklahoma's about to go win this national championship and they're going to go capture number eight. But I think it's time, yes, to some degree to start embracing that. And I probably Oklahoma behind closed doors, John, has always had that mentality. 
But we as a fan base need to back and match that energy for Oklahoma that, yes, this team can go do that, and we believe this team can go do that because guess what? Defensively, it's much, much different. Offensively, they're only going to continue to get better, John. The schedule lines up for it to be done. The rest of the country, okay, Georgia, we see you. Hello, you're back. We got it. Two-time defending national champion, still really, really good. But the rest of everything out there, it's it's there for Oklahoma to go make a run at this thing. Yeah, there's no reason why they can't go and do some special things this year. If a TCU team that basically had no defense could go and make it to the national title game a year ago, man, why not Oklahoma? This is a much, much better team, a team that's going to figure some things out in the run game. They're going to be better in that area. And yeah, man, I, I don't see any reason why not. Again, live in the now and the reason why I feel like they're able to fight every single play is you hear Brent Venables and the coaching staff and the players talk about, Hey, we're going to live in the now, you know, what happened a week ago doesn't matter. What happens next week doesn't matter. What happens on Saturday? I mean, right now it doesn't matter. I got to go practice to my, the best of my ability. I got to go to the film room and do the best that I can there. So I love the mentality of this team. And I think that's why I feel comfortable talking expectations I don't think they're going to get too far over their skis. I don't think they're going to let themselves get ahead of themselves. I think they're going to just live in the moment and embrace the moment. And, and that's going to be what helps them continue to find success this season. So I know we've got some crystal ball projections out there. We need to touch on, but the, the people are here. The, the sooner nation is out in full force tonight on Locked On Sooners Live. So let's just start reacting to some of the comments that are out there from the people before we we touch on some hashtag and stuff before we get out of here. Do we lose the game if Jatavian Sanders is healthy? Obviously, uh, it changes a lot in the football game offensively for Texas, especially early. It, it did take a little while for Quinn Ewers, I think, to settle into the football game. The numbers bear that out for him. Sanders, uh, at times in the game, John, it's like, Sark wanted you and I and everyone to believe that Jatavian Sanders was totally right, even though you, I, and everybody else kind of felt going in and definitely knew after the first little bit that Sanders was not totally right. The the one play uh, was a downs that just totally manhandled him on the outside, yeah. him trying to be a blocker. That was not good. So look, uh, the hypothetical, would they, I want to believe that Oklahoma still wins the game, but Sanders is a significant piece. I mean, that's a big time NFL talent. It really is. But if he's not healthy, then don't, then don't play him. Like we can what if and hypothetical this thing all night. But if he shouldn't have been out there and, and he was a a uh, a vulnerability, then Sark shouldn't have put him on the field. Uh, no, man. I mean, we had you know we had Angela Anthony go down. We had McKay Matire go down. We had you know Gentry Williams go down. We've had injuries you know at different parts this season. Arguably, maybe our two best running backs haven't been healthy yet. And G- Gavin Sawchuk and Javante Barnes, they're not healthy. Austin Stogner hasn't really hadn't really shown up until this week. I mean, Oklahoma could what if themselves like what if we don't get a punt blocked in the first quarter and you know are able to continue to just play defense? Uh, what if we don't go to sleep a little bit offensively in the third and fourth quarters and you know except for the first and final drive of the game? I mean, you could always hypothetical things. Would it have made a difference? Absolutely. He's a he's a great player. I'm just not going to sit here and and say he would have been the major difference in this game. And they're mentioning it over in the, uh, the chat in the YouTube chat, Justin Harrington. What if we had Justin Harrington? How much does that change the complexion of the football game? So 
you can always, I mean, in a close game like this, man, one play either way makes the difference. Potentially he could have made a difference, but he wasn't fully healthy. Oklahoma was able to take advantage and they won the game. Are you muted? I don't have you, Josh. I lost you. And as he figures this out real quickly, uh, we'll, we'll continue to, uh, to vamp. Um, Jonathan asks another question because I think this is one that everybody responded to earlier in the show, but I'll go ahead and give my response. Given how hard it is to beat a team twice, would it have been preferable to lose this game but win the Big 12 championship? No! You always want to beat Texas in the Red River rivalry. You always want to beat them in the Cotton Bowl. And I don't care that it's hard to beat a team twice. Go beat them again. It's going to six weeks, seven weeks from now, they're going to be two totally different teams. And it's going to be a new game, a totally different game. And uh, you're going to you're going to play much better football. So I'm not concerned about the whole it's difficult to win a, to win a game twice. No, nah, just go beat Texas again. Do you have me or no? I got you now, Josh. OK, sweet. Where was I at? Well, at any rate, uh, let's just keep it rolling here. Speaking of Angel Anthony, the uh, the wide receiver situation in case you're just joining us, probably many Oklahoma fans know, but in case you don't, Andrew Anthony, unfortunately, season-ending injury that he sustained uh, in the OU-Texas game. He's going to be done for the season, to which uh, Mark writes us, I'm telling you, Nick Anderson's going to be a star. And 405 boy says, hey, we finally have some depth at wide receiver now, but uh, I think joins all of us in saying, hey, yeah, we're, we're praying for Andrew Anthony, of course, as well. Yeah, you love the depth that you have at wide receiver. I mean, that was one of the strengths coming into the season and a reason why you felt really good about the offense is because you felt that you would find some answers at wide receiver. And Andrew Anthony provided an answer for the first six games of the season. It's unfortunate that he's down and he's out, but you're just thankful that you've got the depth that you have and you've got a wide receivers coach in Emmett Jones, who I didn't realize this until I think it was Douglas Miles um, pointed it out. I mean, Emmett Jones pointed it out, but Emmett, but Douglas Miles on Twitter kind of like he broke it down that Emmett Jones is now three and oh in the last three years against Texas, Kansas, then Texas Tech, then the Oklahoma Sooners. Got a little Emmett Jones magic happening, I guess, now in Norman. Pay that man his money. But uh, no, you, you love the development that's happening at wide receiver and you love the the guys that he's brought in. You hope you can see more Brendan Thompson, but Nick Anderson, he looks like a dude and he looks like a guy that's ready to take on a significant role for this team. Yeah, I mean, he's a star in the making, and a play like that in this game is – I think he was already a confident guy, John, and he'd already gone out and, and done enough to where it's, hey, throw me the football, and I want to be more involved in all these different things. Like, probably he had already crossed that hurdle and that boundary for himself. But, okay, well, this this doesn't hurt at all, right, to go make that play in this game in that moment uh, only helps in that regard. But, again, I, I just echo what I said earlier. I hate that for Andrew Anthony because he was having such a, a great uh, season to this point. Let me see here. There was another comment uh, I wanted to mix in. Oh, yeah, from, from GP Productions. Welcome in. Long-time listener, first-time live show viewer. Just wanted to say, GP, first off, thanks for the compliment on the radio voice. But secondly, uh, thank you for being live with us. We, we love uh, welcoming new folks into, uh, into the, the live show. Gavin chimes in and says, Caden Green. K 
came in and put the challenge immediately onto Texas's Devondre Sweat. He is up for the stage. Yeah, man, there's nothing too big for big Caden Green right now. I mean, Oklahoma was having some difficulty with the Texas Longhorns defensive front, uh, but Caden Green came in, man, and he he made a big difference uh, to the game. And, you know, you just look at, you know, pro football focuses, you know, offensive grades or their blocking grades. And, uh, you know, Caden Green was, you know, fourth on the team, third among offensive linemen in pass blocking. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be tough to run on Texas, but again, he's a really good player. That's going to continue to get better. You know, one of the best prospects that Bill Beatenbow's ever recruited. It's great to see him getting in and getting involved early and continue to further that sentiment that Brent Venable shared at OU media days where he felt like he should have played the younger guys more. We're seeing it. We're seeing the, the, uh, the baby gate taken down. We're seeing the, you know, the training wheels taken off, whatever analogy you want to use. And he's letting these guys get in there under the fire. And I mean, Caden green's got a very, very bright future but that future is also right now where he's making a significant impact for this team. Yeah, it's uh there's no doubt about it. No 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 doubt about it. Caden Green and that offensive line, man, I'm excited to see what happens over these next couple of weeks as we touched on at the at the opening, but again in case you missed it. To me, that's one of the big uh, puzzle pieces this week throughout the bye and into next week as you build for UCF and beyond, which is Okay, I think you got some young stars potentially, definitely in Caden Green, and I still feel that way about Savion Bird before it's all said and done, if he can stay healthy. So, man, let's figure out if you can ride with those two guys the rest of the way. If you've got a couple of stars there to go along with Andrew Raymond, can we please, please figure out how to time a snap? I'm begging you, even though it didn't uh, it didn't kill Oklahoma this past week, but I'm just I can't I can't deal with that anymore. Will uh <laughs> Will chimes in. I think this is uh. Look, I've been wearing it a little bit from the fan base, and that's okay. I don't mind uh, being the sooner villain here. That's all right. I've said it, and, you know, hate me for doing it. But I would point out, last year, if I had picked Oklahoma to go win that OU-Texas game last season, and they got thumped 49 to nothing, there'd be a bunch of fans that were telling me, oh, my gosh, what a homer, unbelievable. But this year, I picked Texas to win a close game, and I've been hearing it from the folks out there. And you know what? Let me just say this. I couldn't be happier to hear it. Couldn't be happier to wear it from the fan base. Nothing makes me happier. And you're right, though, uh, Will. We ain't played nobody, even though I think Texas is uh, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, everybody's going to try and downplay this, especially, you know, the Texas fans on social media are ridiculous. I will say, if you want some good Texas rational analysis from this game, go watch our man, Johnzo Ball. Jonathan Davis over at Locked on Longhorns did a great job just breaking down the, the goal line stand from the Texas perspective and, and all of that. So taking it a lot better uh, than a lot of Texas fans are right now. Could Oklahoma have beaten Georgia or could this Oklahoma team have beaten Georgia or could we have beaten Georgia under Brent Venable if Brent Venables was the head coach? Just rise so through all different of them. directions there. Um, I think I'm going to say this. I think Brent Venables, if he's the head coach of that team, yes, they beat Georgia. Back in 2017, uh, could this team have beaten Georgia? I don't know. Um, I still have questions, but why not? I mean, I don't know. That wasn't the best version of a Georgia football team that we've ever seen. So I'm not going to put it past them. I wouldn't doubt it, but uh, 
could this Georgia, could this team beat Georgia? I hope we get to find out. Yeah, I'm with you because if you do, it's good chances for a national championship. I would say this, and I think most everybody would agree on this front, that 17 offense with this defense, Oklahoma would have won the national yeah. championship. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So, yeah, like you said, I mean, hopefully that that's the the big bad wolf in college football right now is Georgia. So until until something otherwise happens that shakes it up, I think Michigan's really, really good. And I think they're going through to a different and obvious, obviously lesser degree because they haven't earned it in this respect. I think they're going through a little bit or have been the Georgia syndrome to start the year to where it's like, okay, let's see Michigan get tested and how they respond. I think there's been a little bit of playing with our food from the Michigan Wolverines. I still think they're really, really good. But you know what? Haven't really been tested yet, so we're going to find out down the, down the road from Michigan. But Georgia's really good. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Michigan's really good. We saw about Florida State in the bowl game last year, and that's carried over. I think Oklahoma's really, really good. I think Texas is really, really good. Oh, you now coming out of this thing, John, by, by the factor of elimination, if you will, and just you know by the fact that Oklahoma went and won the game, it's the best win that anybody in college football has, because guess what, right? Notre Dame goes and has uh, another stinker versus Louisville. So now the Ohio State win over Notre Dame. I, I can't say that's the best win in college football. Oklahoma took away Texas's right as the best win in college football because they're not undefeated anymore. So Oklahoma has, I think, the best win in college football by beating Texas. And oh, by the way, the team they beat probably has the second best win over Alabama. So make of that what you will. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens in the Pac-12 over the next few weeks because this this weekend we get Oregon and Washington, which is going to be a fantastic top 10 matchup. And then later on the, down the road, you get Oregon, USC. I mean, there's going to be a lot of like incredible games that go on down there. But I mean, Texas was number four in one poll, number three in the other poll. So unless somebody beats Georgia or beats Michigan, then yeah, you got to say that right now, just simply based on the ranking, Oklahoma's got the best win in the country right now. And it's quite a resume builder. You know, they're up to number five in the, uh, the AP poll up to number seven in the USLBM coaches poll. And we didn't really even touch it on this, but uh, you know, the AP poll thing, you know, like the one voter, I guess from Missouri who she's not a Missouri writer, but she is from the state of Missouri uh, still leaving Texas in front of Oklahoma why do we even play the football games if we're just going to you know, measure this all out based on our subjective nature? To some degree, I can understand why you want to make this logic that you're just convinced that Texas is better. And really, when you have your reply tweet, that's all you can put. Don't say something stupid like, well, if they had won by more than three points when I don't know, they won by more than three points. Right. You know, but again, I, I come from the belief that and this is not just because Oklahoma beat Texas. I can understand where someone could could look at that game. I disagree, but I can at least rationally look at it and see where somebody would come away, John. If you had the opinion that Texas was the better team going in, that you come away and say, oh, well, if Texas doesn't make the mistakes, if X, Y, Z doesn't happen, Texas wins the game. And, you know, based on that, I think Texas is the better team. Okay, well, that's fine. I can sort of understand that argument. I just – 
can't get behind that. And it also takes everything away from Oklahoma and it rewards Texas for the blocked punt. And again, doesn't reward Oklahoma for the turnovers they created. What happened on the field has to matter. Stop everyone. Media people stop trying to not let things that happen on the field matter. It has to matter. Yeah. Imagine being from the show me state and Oklahoma goes out and shows the world that they can beat Texas. They beat Texas and then still getting ranked behind them. It doesn't make any sense at all. Just get rid of the ranking systems all together. Just let everybody kind of be put into a hat at the end of the season. And then the committee can pick out who the best four teams are, the bowl participants, all that jazz. Just get rid of the rankings that this is how it's going to be because it, if you're not going to take into account what the head to head thing is, then just don't even, don't even vote. Don't even put out the ranking. It doesn't matter anymore. It's dumb. Like if you didn't want to move Oklahoma up higher so that you didn't have to drop Texas, that's fine. But you had to put Texas behind Oklahoma. You just have to, those are the rules. AP take the vote away. Um, Gunny of Stutzman army. What would y'all grade the game for us this week? I've got it at a B, maybe B plus. Josh? Oh, I think it's a really good grade for me. You know, I know that there were mistakes made out there. The special teams was probably an F for Oklahoma, which is a third of the game, right? That's one third. You know, maybe you could give it a little bit better than that, but missing a kick that would have uh, put Oklahoma in a position to be driving for just a game winning field goal instead of having to go get a touchdown. Obviously you got the touchdown. That was incredibly costly, you know, to pull out the bag of tricks on the one kickoff return, but not execute it right. was disappointing. And of course the punt block was just terrible. Uh, you know, to have the momentum that you had at that stage of the game and to allow that to happen was again, just uh, a horrific set of sequencing and mistakes for OU. So that part obviously brings it down a serious notch. The opponent, though, guys, I think is really good in Texas. I think this is the first really, really good Texas team you've seen since 2009. And so based on that and the adversity and the twists and turns that you faced, honestly, it, maybe this is crazy. I, I think that there's, yeah, areas that OU could clearly play better. I got to at least be B plus, maybe even A minus to go win the game and to have that game. I'm going to say A minus, man, just because I think Texas is really good and I don't care how you get out of the Cotton Bowl with that kind of win. To me, uh, across the board, to face the adversity and go win it, I'm going to I'm going to say yeah. For me, I'm going to even with the special teams debacle, I'm going to give it an A minus. Yeah, it's an A minus for me. I mean, if, if the offense is a little bit better in the second half, you know, between the first and last drive. If the special teams is better, if maybe the defense doesn't give up 570 or 527 yards, then it'd be an A plus for me. But again, there are areas to improve upon, but still you got out of the cotton bowl. You got out of the red river rivalry game with a win. You're undefeated at six and zero. you beat a good Texas team. That was top five in the nation. A minus for me. I have very few complaints about this game. And you know, you could, uh, entertain Gunny's thoughts there, right, of being a B or a B plus. I just – I guess I'm awarding points on a curve a little bit here with the understanding yes. – like, like I get where you would make the point of, okay, well, if we just go unit by unit, it wasn't a perfect day for the defense, even though there were three turnovers, right? Uh, fourth downs, the trickeration that Texas was able to, able to pull on you on uh, – you know, in the fourth downs, they were able to pick up. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to say that, okay, it wasn't perfect. And if you went unit by unit, you could get to a B or a B minus or a B plus or whatever. I'm just, again, grading, I guess, on a little bit of a curve of 
hey, this is a top five Texas team in that environment with, again, the twists and turns that were thrown at you. And you came away after all of that with a win to remain unbeaten. So I don't know how I could get into even the B range for me. But again, uh, I'm not going to disagree too vehemently with anyone. And ultimately, who cares what the grade was, right? Let's just take the W, which is the most important grade. Yeah, and, and Jay Morris is uh, clarifying for us. Yeah, the defense only gave up 23 points, not 30 points. So, I mean, that's significant against a good Texas offense. I, I think that that bears uh, remembering. Uh, it's easy for me to forget that sometimes. Uh, Stephen G asks, does Texas have an edge for the rematch? It's Texas. Do they ever have an edge? Do they ever play with an edge? I don't think this gives them anything. I think that'll be a different game. That'll be seven weeks from now. Yes, what happened on this field happened and it matters, but I don't think it necessarily gives them an edge. It's a, You're going to have to go play football. Yeah, I, I don't know that anybody really has an edge going into the second one just because I think it's going to be two Titans, heavyweights swinging at each other again, assuming that Texas can take care of its end of the bargain. I do think they've got a more, even with K-State coming into Austin, John, and <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and act like uh, K-State's been a bunch of world beaters so far, but I do still think when it's all said and done that K-State will wind up as the team that we regard as the third best team in this conference. They've got to play them. Oklahoma doesn't. And I can see a scenario where Texas doesn't win that game. So I'm not convinced that Texas is going to get there. But if you ask me right now, living in a vacuum, I, you know, have to pick one of the two. I'll say Oklahoma because they won round one over Texas, but I don't think that either team has some decided advantage. And I think that's to be expected between two really, really good football teams. Yeah. It could completely go the other direction in the big 12 title game. If Texas is able to make it there. I mean, they've, they've still got some tough games on their schedule as well that they'll have to contend with. I think it'll be fascinating to see how the rest of the big 12 season goes because it's been absolutely off its rocker through the first uh, few weeks of big 12 play. We'll see where it all goes from there. Uh, do you want to touch on those crystal ball predictions? Let's do I it. Think, I think we do. We've gone a little long uh, on the lockdown Sooners live tonight because we love you, the people, because come right. on, we just beat Texas for, for goodness sakes. We got to, we got to have a little fun tonight, but yeah, the, get us up to speed. Hashtag Cruton. Yeah. So I think it was Sunday, Sunday morning, Steve Wiltfong, national recruiting director of two, four, seven sports issued crystal ball predictions for the Oklahoma Sooners in favor of them landing safety linebacker, hybrid player, Michael Boganowski out of Kansas and Eddie Pierre Louis <laughs> out of Tampa Catholic in Florida, uh, two, four star players that uh, Oklahoma has been in the mix for, for quite some time, but it seemed like maybe Boganowski was trending more towards Kansas state, but man, the Wilt Fong one, um, you know, what about 10 days out from his commitment date, it seems like. And then the Eddie Pierre Louis thing, moving the needle still towards Oklahoma. I think getting this big win and then Wilt Fong putting those out the next day seems a bit significant to me, Josh. Hey, uh, did Missouri go beat LSU this weekend? No, they lost. They oh, gave like 50 points. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that result, Williams Winery. Um, my <laughs> bad. Right. Sorry, I, I missed that result. Did Oklahoma, did Texas beat OU? Oh, oh yeah, no. yeah. That's what we've been talking about for the last hour and seven minutes. 
Oh, just the just a defensive goal line stand yeah. and uh, a bunch of guys that probably made themselves a bunch of money at the University of Oklahoma in the OU Texas game. I just, I don't know, but hey, who's keeping stock of all these things across college football? Who has time for all of that, Williams Winery? Yeah, that, uh, man, I'm gonna be so fascinated to see how that one continues to go because I mean, the dude is he's got to be wondering. Okay, you're giving up fifty something to LSU. You can't stop anybody offensively. Where does this all end up for Missouri? I don't know. It'll be it'll be it'll be fascinating. I, I think this is gonna be a, a really interesting next few months, but I'm I'm liking where they stand for EPL and for Bogue. If they land those two guys, it helps them get, I think, one spot higher in the 247 sports team composite rankings. So yeah. Don't worry, Gunny. I've got Sooner Nations back. He writes, no, Josh, you got to pick them again, saying you got to pick Texas again if they make it to Arlington. Gunny, don't worry. I'm picking Texas for prosperity, all right? If and when that day comes, baby, we ain't messing with the mojo. Don't you worry about that. That's right. I mean, I've, I've been picking Oklahoma to win that game for months, and if they find themselves in the Big 12 title game in December, I will definitely be picking Oklahoma again because why do you argue with something that, that worked anyway. Uh, but Hey, you just got to keep going and taking care of business out there. Uh, the rest of the way, you got six more games to, you got to continue to prove it. Next one's against UCF. You get the bye week get a little bit healthy, work out a few kinks in your running game, hopefully, and then just see what happens. Any final thoughts, parting shots here on the show tonight, Josh? I'm just feeling much better. I think, uh, in this, middle portion of October than say 365 days ago. The sun's a little brighter. The uh, weather outside's a little nicer. It's it's a fun time to be an Oklahoma Sooner fan and to think about where this thing is going with Brent Venables. I think we were all optimistic that as soon as Venables gave us the boomer and got off that plane at Max Westheimer Airport, that Oklahoma had finally gotten back to, it's uh, if I can steal a catchphrase, it's OU DNA. We thought that they had gotten back there, right? But last year shook the foundation for us a little bit, and it had to get shaken down to the foundation a little bit probably for it to, to get built back up. And I think a lot about Braden Willis and his comments on the podcast on the Prairie last season. Probably we need to talk about that in more detail going forward that, uh, you know, Braden Willis is the one that told us, hey, we're putting in the blood, sweat, and tears right now, and we're soaking up, unfortunately, some failures this season. That way, Team 129 and Team 130 and 131 and on can go do some special things at Oklahoma. And the fruits of those labors, they're coming home to roost, baby, and it's fun right now. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners Live. Thanks so much for being a part of the show and joining us in the YouTube chat. Again, we're here every Monday night, 9 p.m. Central Time, to take your comments, your questions, Dig into everything going on with Oklahoma Sooners football and athletics. We'll be here all week long here on Locked On Sooners. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. And on YouTube, hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref. Myself at John9Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners. And we're Locked On Sooners on Facebook as well and Instagram. So go check us out on all the socials. Uh, as well. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll talk to you then. Boomer sooner.